We hope you will enjoy this special episode, where Cecilia is interviewed by Liz Quain from Trailblazing Families. Enjoy. I have a really awesome world schooling mom today to chat with. She's been nomading with her family, her husband and kids since 2018. I'm super excited to have Cecilia Conrad today. She's a cancer surviving psychologist, former single parent, co-sleeping yogi, gluten-free, primarily plant-eating, happily married, stay-at-home, organic, barefooted hippie, and mother of four, living in a bus. I want to hear about that. And yeah, just having an amazing life. So thank you so much, Cecilia, for joining us. How are you today? I'm good. I am in rural France and the church bells just started. I think maybe they're calling for Vesper. So maybe you have to talk another two or three seconds until they're done and I can mute this. I don't really hear them. Don't worry about it. You don't. Okay. It's really loud. I'm just across the street from the church. I hear it a little bit, but don't worry about it. Tell us about yourself. You're from uh, Denmark originally. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? You just said a lot of things. So I don't know what to add, really. Uh, I don't live in the bus anymore. We set off in the bus in 2018 when we started full-timing and thought we needed a bus to leave our house. We went from 200 square meters to 20. And then we drove the bus for about three months and parked it where it is still parked. It's been parked in the same place for five years. What country is it parked in? <laughs> it's in Spain. And it's been amazing. There, You know how life will take you down the stream you need to go down? Maybe you think you know where you're going, but really you're not. And uh, I think there are some very good vibes that are helping us. So we have had a base in Spain in the bus for the entirety of our time as nomads. Uh, we bought a little car, started traveling in that one. Did a little flying here and there, bought another van, rebuilt it. It took forever. I hate doing van conversions. (laughs) I'm probably going to do one more. I've done four. It's a nightmare. Wow. Um, But you get the van you want. So now I live in a Mercedes um, or I'm based out of a Mercedes. Yeah. A seven meter thing. Yeah. And you're traveling with three kids now. Your fourth one is grown. So tell us the age of your kids now. So the oldest is 24, the second is 17, then the third will be 15 next month, and the fourth is 11. Okay, awesome. I rented a camper van, I don't know the size, the same size as yours, but in Portugal and Spain, and I only have two kids, so we're a family of three, and my kids complained that it was too small for us, Um, but you guys have five of you traveling in a van, so Mm -hmm. that's really amazing. And two dogs. Yeah. I think mm. I'm going to have to wait until my kids are grown and then I, I'll do van life. And I have some friends, other world schooling parents. We've decided to have a world school parents empty nesters group and caravan <laughs> together. So hopefully. Yeah, I heard about that parents. one. Okay, cool. Um, anyway, so let's talk about what motivated your family to take the plunge into world schooling because you were unschooling for a while. So let us know. I think you had that help. You had a health problems. So let us know a little bit more about what motivated you. It's always a multiple situation. There are many things in our lives that life that was just not really nice. And I can tell you a lot of 
different reasons. I think the main thing was that just wasn't really enough to stay in one place and go on vacation a month or two a year. Um, there was a lot of wanderlust going on in our family. Um, I had um, the seasonal affective disorder living in Scandinavia. So I was really struggling with winter. It was really hard for me. Yeah. Uh, at the end, the final years we lived there, I would, I would dread winter when summer was peaking, just knowing it's coming. Oh. Oh, no. and, and so it's a lot of the year being touched by that. And I did try all the conventional things and unconventional things that you can do to overcome it. But basically, there's nothing like sunlight to me. Mm -hmm. So that was for me a major reason. And another really big chunk was the fact that it just didn't really make sense that we lived in a house. And my husband had an office job and we unschooled the three youngest kids. The oldest was in a self-directed style school. We didn't really have to be there except for the fact that he had to go to the office. We didn't really want to be there because we had already been there for a long time and we really wanted the adventure. We had a van conversion just standing out there in the street waiting for us to go off, but we couldn't because there was the Monday to Friday. So we wanted him home. We wanted him out of that context. And when we did the math, we realized from so Monday, Tuesday, half of Wednesday, you go to work to pay your taxes. In Denmark, it's 50%. And uh, then Wednesday and Thursday, you go to work to pay for the house. Houses are really expensive in Denmark. And a good chunk of Friday morning, you go to work to pay your bills, pay for water, pay for the phone, pay for the gas, pay for heating. And then sometime around 11 on Friday, you can start working so that you can go on adventures, buy food, buy shoes. It didn't add up, really didn't. And the more we thought about it, it didn't. And we talked about it, talked about it, talked about it for years and years. And we didn't really know how to figure out how to convert that dream into actually leaving because it was scary. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Um, but I think that's the three main things we really wanted to get out there. I was struggling with the winter and, uh, it was very clear. All we needed was sunlight for me from October to March to make life bearable for everyone. Because when I was in such a bad mood, everyone was affected by it. Um, it was really hard for me to, to be the person I want to be struggling with the lack of sunlight and my husband why would he be at the office why wouldn't he be around so was, was he was able to was he able to figure out how to work online and then you can take this on the road yeah yeah so we spent three years building for it and we had that three years because our oldest daughter got accepted into an author's school where they take 12 students every second year and they actually called her and asked her to apply when she was only 16. So she's really talented at what she does. And, and there's no way you could tell her, oh, but you could do that online or you could do that in another country because really you can't. When it's writing, it's best to do it in, in your own language. And also 
there's only one of these schools worldwide. Um, so when she got accepted into that school, we felt we have to stay until she's done with that. So we had a very specific, you know, anchor right. holding us for a specific time. And within that time, we wanted to build a business to to earn a certain amount of money that we wanted to have before we felt safe leaving. Right, right. And I'm guessing that you deregistered from your country so you don't have to pay such high taxes anymore since you're out of yeah. the Denmark. Yeah. That saves you but so much Because money. we're not in Denmark 182 days a year, yeah. which we're supposed to be to be registered. So we had to unregister. Yeah. Yeah. So it gives you more freedom uh, financially yeah. and well, education-wise yeah. and all that. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, you okay. can also afford to pay tax if you're not all on top of that paying for an expensive house, <laughs> yes. living in one of the most expensive cities in the world. That right. was our context. I think Copenhagen is on the top five at the moment. Sure. It's really okay, expensive. Okay, so you sold your house or you rented mm -hmm. it out? No, we sold it. In the okay. beginning, we rented it out. Mm -hmm. We did like a test year. Good. Good, good. That's okay. A long time ago. And then that worked. And then you decided to go full on with your mm -hmm. big bus. And now you're in a smaller van. Mm -hmm. And since, uh, you know, for the last six years. So amazing. So um, you've been traveling via driving your vehicle mostly in Europe. Yes. Um, tell us about some of your favorite countries. You don't have to list them all, but what places have you liked? We tend to like most of the places we go. And what we really like is the change. So I couldn't say I prefer a country. I usually prefer the place where I am and the next place where I'm going. I just arrived in France yesterday. So now I'm all hype about France and just find it so amazing. And I can finally speak French again and everything is la la la. You know, we're just having fun with that. Um, going to Spain next week. So Spain is on my favorite right now because I'm going there voluntarily but what we really like is the fact that we can go wherever we want to go do you fly to other parts of the world or you do you uh, stay so the reason we don't fly is covid ah covid combined with uh the dental situation of our oldest son mm. who needs uh, a specialist who is in barcelona so when the whole COVID craziness happened, we decided we will stay um, in mainland Europe where we can drive back to the dentist whenever we need it. Interesting. And that's been going on for four years and it will be over this year or maybe next year. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. We can start. Well, we will fly out this year because now we just can't wait anymore. But, but, and it's also less um, urgent now. We can, okay. we have more wiggle room now. That's but the good. first years, we just had to know that we could come back to the dentist. And with uh, what happened with uh, COVID and the big lockdowns, we thought we're not yeah. going to risk needing flights. Right, because, right. You know. Well, things are opening. Europe up. is pretty big. Yes. When you think about it. It's not big, but it has a lot of different areas, countries, places, cultures, yeah. languages, see, everything. You don't you need to drive far. So. Yeah, and I assume you can go to Morocco or Turkey or other places nearby. Yes, no. So we could have, but we didn't because okay. it was the same thing. You know, if they do the lockdowns and they close the borders, I want to be able to drive back, right. not needing a boat, not needing a bridge. Right. Could okay. do a bridge, but I don't want a boat. Okay, 
because it was it's really it's quite critical when when you have something glued on your teeth or you know and it has yeah. to happen in in the growth explosion of the specific years of teenage okay and, and, you know we we didn't dare risking it and there was no reason to either Europe yeah. is, has been amazing yeah and you know people do ask about how kids uh, teenagers or whatever can handle braces while you're moving around the world before so we've chatted about that before and um you know I'm One of my daughters, she doesn't, uh, she has a little overbite and a gap. And so I know it'll take only about six months to handle that. And it's very expensive in the U.S. to get braces where we are right now. So I'm trying to figure out where can we go in the world where we can be there for six months, maybe in and out. And then um, it's affordable, you know, for her to get the tightening Mm. and all of that. So we're, we're hoping to do that in the future. Um, let's talk about the, the way your kids learn. So you chose unschooling a while ago. Why did you uh, decide to move away from the traditional school system into unschooling? So we were never really in the traditional school system. We have our oldest who was in a, in a self-directed school in Copenhagen. And our second child, the short version is he was never there. Um, and when we decided, basically he decided he didn't want to go to school and we complied. Uh, in the beginning, my husband wanted me to teach him whatever they learn in schools. And I pretended to try to, <laughs> but never really did it. And I have felt I had a really sore conscience. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It wasn't really happy times. Were you trying uh, with? It was happy times, but inside me, I was struggling because I didn't want to do it, and he certainly didn't want to do it, and my husband wanted it, and he's the dad. I mean, I am not the only parent. I will respect that we are two in this team, but he was in the office job, so he didn't really see what was going on, and. Mm, so you were trying to have your son follow some type of curriculum. Is that what you're saying? No, not re- no, I wasn't. No. Okay, okay. So I was. Then- Trying to try to, can you put it that way? I I wasn't really wholeheartedly doing it because it didn't make any sense. And then at some point I gave up and uh, just didn't do it. Okay. And then you started, uh, you guys moved to a more unschooling philosophy, self-directed learning. So how did that go? Good. (laughs) (laughs) Or was it bumpy at first? How did that go? So. How can I answer that? Well, because uh, how did it go? So yeah, we started process. living our lives as if school doesn't exist, okay. which it doesn't for us, and uh, we're happy. Okay. If I, I don't know, I'm not. I don't think in this context I have to speak educationese. How did it go? I mean, now they are teenagers, almost all of them, and they speak languages. They know things. Of course, they can read and write. We're not going into that, and they do brush their teeth. We're radical unschoolers. I don't. I don't demand anything of my kids. I don't believe in ageism. I don't believe in who am I to know what they are to do with their time? They're smart people. They know where their passions are and they know what makes them their heartbeat. They know what makes them happy. They know what feels right for them. And that's what they've been doing the past 10 years. 
So it's gone really smoothly. You didn't have any like de-schooling issues. Like you didn't well, have. I had to struggle with it. Yeah. 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 It wasn't easy for me. I'm a trained psychologist. I was in school for thir- 23 years and all of my family is academics. And of course, of course, I come from schooling, but that's my problem. Yeah. And uh, I have happened to have some great friends who unschool and I have gained more after I started unschooling and they we help each other out and so we have we call it black days sometimes I have a black day I don't have them anymore but in the beginning I had black days of doubt Mm -hmm. where I felt I am ruining everything now it is going to hell you know this is the worst decision ever and my kids will just go down the drain and um I learned pretty quickly that the solution to that feeling is to talk to your children and tell them, you know, this is what I'm feeling because I come from schooling and uh, my mind is set within a school world. And I know I believe in your personal freedom. I know schooling doesn't make any sense at all in reality. But now today I'm having a black day and I have my doubts and I feel fear and I don't, I don't feel comfortable. I'm afraid. What can I do? And then I talk to them and they tell me, you know what? We're happy. Um, you, could, you could give us more cake. But besides that, all's cool. And uh, so, yeah, then we would maybe read a book, watch a movie, go for a walk. And, and my black clouds would disappear. And yeah, it does take time. For us to kind of let go of those expectations. And I think traveling, you know, the world uh, is true so much. The kids learn. They're so exposed to so many different things. So um, they're more likely to be interested in things, I'm guessing, um, and want to just naturally learn about them, not because it's in a book or it's on some school curriculum that they have to do, right? So I'm not going to sign up for the idea that unschooling is better on the road or more right on the road than not on the road. I I think unschooling is right because it's right, because it's not right to enslave kids into doing things that they don't want to do all day long for 10 years of their lives. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that's really unfair and in many ways totally crazy. I don't know why we do it. Um, I really don't. I don't get it. Yeah. I, I, I've moved so far away from it. I don't get it anymore. So Do they naturally become more interested in things because we move around? I don't know. I mean, everyone, all of us, 100% of human beings are quite curious. None of us want to sit down and look at paint dry. We don't like being bored. No one likes being bored. So if you do something you find interesting, it's interesting because there's something you don't know. There's something there. There's something... to find out something to work with and that's basically learning yeah it happens all the time for everyone I agree with you and again we um didn't unschool right away when we started traveling seven years ago but we've kind of moved in a more self-directed um kind of manner but uh, and I helped launch an online school that was about self-directed learning so I I'm I'm with you I just know that there's so many different types of families who start world schooling and I've met uh, world school families who have who homeschool and they're happy about it and their kids are happy about it. So or they put them in online schools or they enroll them in a local school somewhere around the world. My daughters had 
gone to a school in Peru just to kind of soak up the language and one in Mexico, an agile learning center. So, um, so that was an interesting experience, but, um, Anyway, but I, I just now that your some of your kids are becoming teens that are, have been world schooling, um, they're going to be your son maybe in a year or two or three. I don't know when he may be out on his own. And do you feel that uh, he is going to be prepared for the future? Because your daughter had a, your oldest daughter has slightly different experience, but your seventeen year old, how do you feel about that? Can I give you a, you know, shoot it back at you. Sure. Do you feel prepared for your future? Um, well, you know what you'll be doing in 10 years from now? Um, yeah, I do. Okay. I'll, I hope to be doing what I'm doing now, but, um, Mm -hmm. I, I had a traditional education background and went to university and I did what I studied for a while and it evolved and it grew. And then I became an entrepreneur and then I started world schooling, um, seven years ago. So, um, but the self-directed learning didn't happen until I guess, you know, when you're in university, you can finally choose your major instead of, you know, following a curriculum in school. So, um, I've always been the type of person to try to figure things out, but I meet people all the time who are not like me and they don't have the critical thinking skills. They don't research things. They don't dig around. Um, And so I'm trying to help those people, uh, either the parents and especially their kids um, with world schooling, um, you know, try to be more prepared for the 21st century. I know what we're here to talk about today, which is the older kids and and the future of them. It's just that I kind of, I think we're putting a lot of weight on the 17-year-olds and the 15-year-olds to be responsible for their future, to be entrepreneurs, to know what they want, to have a plan, to go for some, you know, to know how they make their money and where they want to live and all these things that are very, very mature. and. It's a long journey to travel from being a child to being an adult. And as you know, I have a 24-year-old who didn't take the beaten path, who who did her thing. And to that, today, she's an artist. Um, she just published her third book. It's quite a risk to decide to become a writer. And she decided that when she was 11. So she knew what she wanted to do and and she went for it and she skipped high school and, you know, she did all kinds of crazy things that most people would say, that's not safe. Um, And my 17-year-old now, where will he go? I don't know where he will go, but I'm quite sure he'll find his way. And based on a life where you speak several languages, you know how to handle yourself in all kinds of cultures, all kinds of contexts, all kinds with all kinds of people in so many different places. And you've had time to evolve your skills, the things that you can really get nitty-gritty about, because that's what you've been doing for the 10 years that you've not been sat down in the school. Of course, of course they'll figure out what to do with their lives of course they will find their way and maybe sometimes they won't sometimes they might get lost and then they'll find their way again just like everyone else you see so many 
young people coming out of schools being totally off, being off their, I don't know, not knowing who they are, not knowing what they want. You see so many people taking university degrees halfway through, they quit because they realize, oh, that was my father's dream or that's not really what I want for some other reason than parents. Or they even finish, they start the job, they realize they hate it, they want to, I don't know, sit at a beach and meditate. Or, I don't know. It, it's not like those who go through school systems, who live in safe houses behind nice hedges and wear school uniforms and do all the right things, they all land in a beautiful life with two kids and two cars. It's, it's not, that's not the reality. That's the fake idea that we're being pushed to believe in by, by everything around us, by movies and commercials and books. And it's the lifestyle that it's one big lie. For some people, it works. For some people, it doesn't. In our family, our little family, not statistically significant, but yet, uh, I have a very nice university degree. My papers are with gold stars. <laughs> beautiful. And I make almost zero money. And my husband was looking out the window for 10 years of school time. Uh, did his high school while doing a thousand things on the side, not really focusing on the high school thing. But he did, you know, in Denmark, we get a hat. Maybe you do that everywhere else also. Ours is not the square one. Doesn't matter. He got the hat. He got the diploma. And he started, I think he was at university for like a week or two. <laughs> and then he got offered a job and he was like, I'd rather have some money and have some fun. So he's been the breadwinner and he was never at university. He was never paying attention in school. He doesn't have any gold stars or anything fancy. And so in our family, it doesn't look like university will bring in money for you. And for me, it's not real. Yeah. That's the thing. It's not real that you need this in order to have a life. Let's have it to fall back on or. Cecilia, I'm on your side. I agree with you. This is why I pulled my kids out of traditional school and mm -hmm. we've been world schooling and unschooling for many years. And I'm a world schooling and alternative education advocate. I'm just, I just know people watching this video are not where we are yet. Um, I also think the school system is really antiquated and it's not preparing our kids for the future very well. And I think world schooling is a better option. So I also think that universities no longer have a monopoly on knowledge and education. There's so many other ways for kids to learn. So I'm thank you for sharing your perspective, especially on the um, unschooling. And last week we talked about unschooling. I had some uh, Sarah Beal, our mutual friend, who mm -hmm. was talking about it and a panel of uh, parents who unschool. And then uh, yesterday I interviewed some grown world schoolers, um, Elena Liberty's son, Moreau, and then Jennifer Miller's son, Ezra, and, and uh, Rachel Dreyer, who was uh, world schooled for a year. And then, then she started world schooling her kids. So um, I love interviewing grown world schoolers and parents of kids uh, that are a little bit older and kind of closer to being out there and independent in the world. Um, so are you telling me that we as parents don't need to do anything to facilitate our kids path their learning and should just let them do what they want and um, 
and not really, you know, facilitate anything and just, you know, because I want to know what's what where is the line between facilitating versus ignoring or neglecting? Like, how do you make sure that, you know, do you have conversations with them? Like, how do you help them? There's definitely a, definitely a line you can cross where you transit into unparenting. And you don't want to do that. And of course, you're facilitating. It's just like when your kids learn to walk, you hold their hand. It's that, it's that simple. Everyone does that. No one says, no, I'm not going to let my child walk until he can do it himself. <laughs> Everyone holds their hand. And, and in many ways, it's the same. They're just older now. But when, when you live with your children 24-7, maybe in a van, you have something like eight square meters, so you get to know each other really well. Maybe not. <laughs> but if you unschool, most families who unschool will have more time to talk to their children, with their children, listen to their children, which is more important than talking to them. And what will mostly happen is that you grow a really nice relationship of mutual respect and trust and curiosity and whatever comes up will be part of that ongoing conversation that you have time for because you're not freaking out about getting the next promotion and the next yoga class and the next rebuilding of the house and uh, the next exam for the kids. You have time for life. And so that is the facilitation, basically. It comes from there. And I could list examples, but I'm just so afraid that it will sound like some sort of backwards way into education and i know that what that's what some of the listeners will be interested in i just have to like hold my ground here because it's it's not the center of it everyone will find their way in life and what you really need to find your way in life is to know who you are to know where you are and who you are and if you're being bombarded by everyone else's agendas and and someone's curriculum and someone's opinion and someone's plan and someone other's plan and your friend's ideas maybe you don't really have the space to figure out who you are and where you are so so but but most unschool kids tend to figure that out because they have the space for it mentally time wise emotionally true and that's the ground for it. But of course, of course, if, if, if they want to learn a language or whatever, you know, we, we buy a course or a book or travel to the country. If they want to, I don't know, study something, we figure that out. If they want to learn skill, you know, we find a tutor. If they want to go swimming, we go swimming. It's just, um, it shouldn't be all about the academics. It might as well be, I really feel like, spending some time in the forest maybe there's some treasure there you didn't know maybe there's something really important going on with that forest and the future of one member of the family you couldn't know so 
we try to follow our hearts and uh, we're not pushing our children to grow up fast. I think that's another very, very toxic agenda of the modern world that you have to figure out everything out very young and you have to be so mature and so, I don't know, I'm looking for the words in English right now. I have some. No, I agree. I think in the our modern society, we expect the kids to leave the home when they're 18 and then go to university and then they're out on their own and you only see them during the uh, holidays, you know, so. In my country, you expect them to walk to school all by themselves when they're eight. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 there's a lot of do it yourself, you know, you're, right. you're in nursery and then before you're three years old, you're expected to be able to use the bathroom by yourself. Because there's not enough staff to help the kids. It's it happens so much earlier. There's even almost this competition between the mothers who whose child will walk first and who can say the words first. It's not about being first. It's not about doing things young. Yes, there is a correlation between high IQ and early onset of let's say reading. There is a correlate, and there is a correlation between high IQ and a successful life but iq is something you cannot really change so maybe forget about that and and go live the life that that you're here to live and let your children live the life that they are here to live help them do it right. there's no reason to to walk a week earlier than you would have if no one had put had pushed you there's no reason everyone has to read at five someone some people read when they're 12 or 13 or even 15 it's okay They'll read at some point and, and not everyone leaves when they're 18. They don't have to. I don't make my own money. I'm 48 years old. It's not mandatory <laughs> for everyone to make their own money. And well, I do make some, but I'm not definitely not making all the money that I spend because I have help with that. So maybe we have to open our minds a little bit to life can be many other things than this standard idea of the job and the house and the cars and the kids and, and the mortgage board element. Yeah, totally. Um, I I mean, we unplugged from that matrix a while ago, so I I hear you on that. Um, Can you share with us what your three kids that are traveling with you, because we've already talked about your oldest, what your three kids are interested in? And it might change all the time. I mean, my kids are very creative. They're self-directing, they're learning. But also, you know, one of my girls has ADHD, so she changes her interests every month, which is fine. Um, But what are your kids into nowadays? Just working with... um... How much privacy I think they should have. Ah, okay. I don't really know what audience, whatever. They learn languages. They, one of them is obsessing over Shakespeare and that like has some ripple effect to the others as she keeps quoting. Um, one is into dogs very much. One is studying Japanese. They're all very much about literature, like really heavy readers. As in a lot, as in it's really hard to get their attention because they're behind the Kindle all the time. Um, Lots of stuff, really. Yeah. We always look up things. They always ask questions. We always 
discuss things. We're all oh, we're hypersocial. It's a little bit too much. That's my we're around people all the time, all of the time. This yeah. year, I think we've had maybe in total seven days of just being the five of us. <laughs> it's, it's all, yeah. Well, but we also love it. But you know, when you're around people, you absorb the things that they are doing, and and it sparks questions, and then you look up things, and you watch a documentary, and you you get a little overwhelmed. I think we get a little too much information sometimes. I would yeah. like to do a little nothing. Right. Well, that was my next question is, I know you socialize a lot and how do you do it? You go, I think you go to some home school kind of pop-ups, world school stuff, and you're traveling around. So you meet lots of different people. So I've done one pop-up in total. Okay. It's not a lot. The ones that uh, Rachel is doing. It's amazing. It's just not really been where we were. Um, and we did one World School Summit with uh, Lainey five years ago, where we met a lot of great people that we've seen. But really, I'm back to this. I know it would sound very, maybe a little bit annoying, hippie style, but really, for real, we just bump into people and we get invited. And... We, we have too many invitations, too many places to go. We're always busy, which is our next level. That's the thing we're learning next year. This year it was planning. We're trying to learn how to plan, which is really hard. Um, and next year we have to learn how to slow down because we... Yeah, <laughs> how to say much. no, maybe. Yeah, I, 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 I remember I have a great story. I... I at one point, we were at La Palma. It's one of the Canary Islands. It's a really small one. The homeschool community at that point, I don't know now, but at that point, it was a very small homeschool community. It's about eight years ago, I think. Um, maybe there were five families in total homeschooling at the time at La Palma. Full-time living there. Of course, the travelers homeschool technically because they're on some sort of vacation or break from their normal life. But uh, people based their homeschooling uh, all year was about five families we'd heard about them that they were there but we didn't know any of them we didn't know where to find them so we went to the beach we sat down it was a quite crowded beach because it was christmas time so and there are not many good beaches at la palma it's a lot of cliff and a lot of dangerous waters but one of the good beaches i sat down and I said hi to the guy sitting like less than a meter from me because it was a very crowded very small beach that was one of the homeschool fathers huh. It's just how it goes. Yeah. All the time. Small world, small world. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. And sometimes it's homeschoolers, but sometimes it's not. Right now we're at a castle okay. in France. And uh, that was because we went to a festival a year ago and dogs were not allowed. And I had my dogs with me. So I went to the owner of the castle and said, please, can I take my dogs in? Because I didn't know. And we want to hear the music. And they're really, really small, nice dogs. I'll keep, keep them on the lead. The thing you do, yeah, ask politely. And he said, yeah, sure, you can do that. And then we talked the rest of the night and we became friends. And now we're here. Um, and he's not a homeschooler. <laughs> he's yeah. just a dude, you know. Right. But my kids really like him. And uh, I really like him a lot. And and my husband is totally down with him. And, and so, I don't know. There are quite a lot of people in this world. So how do you socialize? <laughs> yeah. Maybe you walk up and talk to some of them. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, how we I do think, it. 
I think you have to be somewhat extroverted to do that or just, you know, bold enough. And, you know, I'm very friendly and social. My One of my daughters is very introverted and she is just aghast whenever I talk to strangers. But, you know, hopefully she'll learn to do that. She doesn't really care. She doesn't need to be around a lot of people. Um, so our oh, friend thanks. Sarah Beal is watching. She says hello. And then Lillian says another great interview. Thank you, ladies. Um, so, yeah, anyone watching, if you have any questions for Cecilia, let us know. And, um, you know, let's talk um, just about some really great lessons that your family has learned while world schooling. Uh, is there something that you know now that you wish you knew when you started off? Maybe you can inspire some newbies not to worry about certain things. Or... Don't buy a bus. Don't buy a bus. Okay. <laughs> you don't need that. <laughs> No, but really, it doesn't take all that preparation. Just go. And um, a year is a really short time. That's another thing. If you think you know what you're doing after a year, you really you don't. You have to do more than one year. One year, is, it just runs by. Um, forget about school. Do forget about it. Try to forget about it. Take some time. Takes more than a year. But try to live as if it doesn't exist. It's more fun. And it's a waste of time to try to teach kids and bring school, all of that, all of that. Just let go of it. Find someone, listen to some podcasts. I have a great one, but there are other great ones out there about unschooling. And um, I knew that before I started full-timing. What else? Learn the languages. At least learn 100 words. It's not that hard uh, when you go somewhere. Um there's nothing really I wish I'd known because I like the process of life. And the reality is that, you know, you can always look back and say, I wish I'd known. And then you would feel some sort of regret that you didn't. Mm. And where would that put me? Regret uh, wouldn't yeah. help me at all, would it? Right. But you enjoy the process. Have there been any challenges that um, you had while world schooling and how did you overcome them? I guess your big bus was a challenge. There were challenges all the, no, the bus was fun. It was fun. Really. I'm just saying you don't need it. No, it was fun. We had a lot of fun. Yeah. And I still own the bus and we decided to sell it, but no one bought it. So now I'm really happy I have it. It, by all means, if you dream about a bus, buy a bus. I had a lot of fun with my bus, except for the conversion part. I hate converting buses and vans and cars and everything. I'm not into that. Um, I think. No, ask me the question again. Well, just if there's any challenges, you know, that you. Of course think. there is. Yeah. But I mean. There are challenges if you live in a in a house. There are challenges if you have a job. You might get fired, you know. It's not for life to have a job. Lots of people get fired. <laughs> this illusion of stability is just an illusion. Um, so, of course, we have challenges. Of course, we do. The challenge, the real challenge is to handle it with grace, to handle it with positivity, to handle it with some sort of trust in life and to handle it while loving each other. When we set off, we had a, we had built a business so that we had a, an amount of money we thought we needed. And uh, within the first week, we lost two thirds of that. Mm. It didn't die. No. Um, and then it's been up and down financially. A lot of down and a lot of up. And then more down 
And at some point we were down at zero, which was quite stressful. And then it went up again. Of course there are challenges and someone fell sick and we had to cope with that. And my mom died. That was not fun. And then my dad died and that was equally not fun. Um, lots of things happen when you live your life. Period. And, and the problem is how, how can you handle it? I mean, I think it would be an entire new episode and then I'd have to make a list of what were the challenges and how did I overcome them, the ones attached to traveling. Yeah, I just think but it's... I don't think it would make sense, really. I don't think so because it's the same challenges I would have had if I had lived in a house. Now I just had the same challenges while moving around. It's not that different to move yeah. around. It's just living in several houses. I did post in one of the Facebook groups for Worlds Going about, you know, the any hiccups or, or mistakes or newbie mistakes. And people did list them. And it is helpful for the rest of us to know, you know, how not to get ripped off, how not to get pickpocketed, how not, whatever the issues are, you know, how to make sure that your visa is proper and you're not overstaying your visa. There's little things, I think, that some newbies who are just winging it don't know. Um, so it's just helpful to share those of us who have been doing it but for a while. I still think that the most important thing is how to handle it if you do get pickpocketed, mm -hmm. if you lose your passport or you lose your income or you arrive in a country, you have the visa, but you don't have the vaccination. What do you do? Mm -hmm. And how do you handle when it all crashes? Your plans just fall apart. It's all shit. Just yeah. let me say the word. It's just shit. Once we had just had our car fixed three times the same week, which was financially really annoying. And then we drove off to a dental appointment in Spain from Copenhagen. We drove for about five hours and then the car stopped yeah. in Germany, just outside of Cologne. During the COVID lockdown where it was completely illegal to be in Germany if you were not German and I'm not German and neither are my husband and three children and no one all hotels closed middle of the winter not middle of but it was November it was raining it was cold and it was exactly midnight I had just looked at my clock to see oh it's midnight and then the car stopped and it would not start it was on the highway oh my gosh that was not fun yeah that was not fun. But what would have made it worse would have been if we had all freaked out about it and started shouting at each other and started crying and started, I don't know what we could have done. Can you handle a situation like that with some sort of grace? Can you handle it with love? Can you handle it with trust, some, some, some faith that oh, it's going to be okay? It would be a very funny story to share at Christmas. So did you sleep on the happened. side of the freeway? Is that what you had to do in your car? Uh, half of the night. And the other half of the night, we slept on the side of a major road with a Volkswagen mechanic that would open at 7 in the morning, turning us down, telling us he wouldn't fix our car. Oh no! It would be a very long story if I shared this specific yeah. story. But it, it's just the story. It's one of many stories. It's not the only time it's been really shit. It, but but I think what's important is to grow that stamina. And when we set off on our journey, our goal actually 
the adults in the family was we wanted to grow that stamina. We wanted personally to not get stuck in a life in one place where maybe when we were 60 or maybe 70, we would have a little fear of leaving our city. We would need the coffee brand that we'd always had. You know how it, it yeah. goes on you, the habits. Yeah. And there's some beauty to it, but not for me. I, I, it makes me suffocate to even think about it. But I felt it coming in a way. And I felt I need to get out of this. This is a trap. Mm-hmm. And I need to grow that stamina. We were good at it before, but we've become much better. And I wanted to show my children, you can hit a wall and you can get up from that. Yeah. I wanted to teach them. They are so amazing, my kids now. They can handle whatever. A, a few years ago, no, maybe that was this year. We set off to go for a walk and we read the sign, but I was in Italian and we don't really speak Italian. So we read the sign and there's this path and it said, um, there's this uh, round, this loop, you can do four kilometers. Oh, great. We thought four kilometers, that's nothing. Let's just go. And we went and when we came, so we brought nothing, literally no raincoats, no, not even water, four kilometers. You just walk. It's an hour. You can do it. And we just wanted to see, there was some beautiful church ruin thing that we wanted to see. When we came back, we'd walked 16 kilometers wow. <laughs> and we'd met a bull, which oh. was kind of scary. And um, now we know we can walk 16 kilometers, even though we're really hungry and really thirsty. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and we call it uh, the four kilometers trap. So. So, yeah, that, I'm, that was yeah. not really bad, but it is an experience where you just grow some balls yeah yeah you you, you learn no I agree I think world schoolers we have to deal with you know again building our stamina flexibility you know just being versatile of all that the world just throws at us most of it is wonderful but once in a while there are some hiccups so um let's just finish up uh Kenya is saying uh and who I met in Germany and we're we're friends with she's friends with both of us uh she says love Cecilia that's all another of my favorite families to bump into. And I bumped into Cecilia, I mean, Kenya and her daughter in Kaiserslautern, Germany, just out of the blue. Um, but let's talk about your project. So you do, I mean, you do have your own video pro- podcast and you focus on unschooling. And I took a look at your YouTube channel and you've interviewed, you know, one of my heroes, Peter Gray and Pat. Yeah. Uh, and Sandra Dodd and a lot of luminaries in the self-directed learning world. So that's amazing. And again, my niche is world schooling. Yours is unschooling. So tell us a little bit about your programs and, and anything that you offer to other um, to families who are interested in so unschooling or whatever. Podcast that I do is not officially about unschooling. Ah, okay, but it becomes about unschooling because it seems that all the rock stars of unschooling have agreed to talk to us and it is it is very close to my heart. Um, the unschooling is very important for me to try to share because when I started out, it was not that I mind Americans, but it was only Americans speaking about it. And it is a different culture. It is a different context. And and I just th- think we really need some voices from over here in Europe, some other perspectives, um, some other roots. And it, for the European unschooling movement, for everyone, we need different perspectives. So I wanted to do something about that. But we do interview whoever we meet 
who or find who has this the filter is this vibe you know did you get up and do what you really wanted to do are you passionate about what you're doing did you do something different something that didn't look like success when you began i like people who go do something crazy and after that they go do something other crazy so i I talked to a guy who's building handpans which is basically banging with a hammer on iron all day not iron metal all day it's very noisy i was in his workshop you need yeah and he's doing that for eight hours a day because he loves it and he's amazing making amazing music musical instruments so So, yeah. So the podcast, I just want to open the idea, just like I didn't want to answer your question about what jobs or career paths are my kids on, because they're not, and life is not that. And the podcast is also to open the perspective. We talked with a great guy who we met in in Czech Republic who's doing, um, what's the word in English? Caricature drawings, because he loves it. And you're not going to be recognized by Guggenheim with caricature but he's great and he just loves doing that so yeah Uh, the podcast is about all kinds of stuff a lot of unschooling but a lot of creating your own life finding your own path doing what you're really passionate about we talked to Janet Atwood who did uh, created the passion test she's a wonderful friend of ours you should listen to that one it's a great great interview she's a great woman um also i do i have a a challenge this year of writing just a thought or a memory from each day of the year which is very hard for me (laughs) i fall behind all the time but i'm trying to do it and the algorithms are not with me at all (laughs) but okay i'm happy doing it um then we have uh if you go to the conrad the Conrad.family, I think the website is, or CeciliaConrad.com. You can see whatever, all the things that we do. Um, my yeah, husband is doing me, a you record company now. I and, uh, I'll put them in the chat later. Yeah, just do it. Um, and then I travel the world with my kids. Mm-hmm. I try to avoid the computer as much as I can ah. because I like life. I like everything outside the internet more, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. That's awesome. Wonderful. Well, Cecilia, it's been such a great pleasure chatting with you. And I really hope that we'll be able to meet in person. My um, my daughter, Gabby, and I will be back in uh, Europe, probably in, in Germany in December. So I don't know where you'll be because you said you have a very busy. Next I'll be in Mexico at that point. Ah, OK, darn. <laughs> Wrong continent. Anyway, um, but hope we can uh, meet in real life. And um, yeah, and I just encourage everyone to check out your website and your YouTube channel and your podcast. Or PM me because I'm not on Facebook that much. Thank you, Cecilia. Super great to hang out with you for a while and enjoy. It was fun. In in France. Thank you. Au revoir. (laughs) Au revoir.